beginning at the 31st verse. <laughs> you can just hear me a bit louder still. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. For the gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving God, may my words and the thoughts and reflections of all our hearts and minds lead us into the light of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we'll be exploring what it looked like to be a disciple of Jesus in the first century and what it might look like to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. We'll keep in mind three questions as we go. We'll just hold them lightly, but keep them in mind. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? How do Jesus' disciples show love one for another? And how can our love for one another identify us as 21st century disciples? Disciple is a rather religious word. We don't use it in everyday conversation. And so we don't feel badly if you're not really clear what it's about. It's not, it's not in common usage. So let's have a look first. What is a first century disciple? The word disciple appears about 260 times in the New Testament in the Gospels and in Acts only. That's a lot of occurrences and so it's an important word. In all four Gospels, Jesus begins his ministry by calling disciples. They were ordinary people from a range of backgrounds that he called to be with him in ministry. Last week, we met Tabitha, who Luke called a disciple using the feminine form of the Greek word. Everywhere else, all those other 260 or so times, the word for disciple appears in the male form because according to the cultural usage of biblical Greek, there only needed to be one male present in a group of people and the male pronoun was used. We know that Jesus was completely countercultural in traveling and doing ministry with people who were both male and female. 
There were women like Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, Susanna, Joanna, Josies, and Salome. A disciple was someone who was with their teacher, learning from them and then doing what they did. Jesus' disciples learned from his teaching and were then charged with the responsibility of ministry that revealed Jesus to others. Tabitha's ministry reflected who Jesus was and Jesus' way of being with people. Well, Jesus wasn't the only person who had disciples. John the Baptist, we know, had disciples and also some of the Pharisees. And while the Old Testament doesn't really use disciple language, there's a clear reference to a disciple-like relationship between the prophets and those who gathered around them to learn from them and then to develop their teachings. And this helps to link the concept of disciple between the Old Testament and the New. In our modern church, we talk about discipleship to describe the way that we intentionally seek to form disciples of Christ. And this is perhaps driven by the Matthew 28 imperative to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. Well, what has Jesus commanded? In Matthew, it's to love God and to love your neighbor. Today, though, we're in John. We're not in Matthew. Jesus' new commandment, as given to us by John, is to love one another as Jesus has already loved us. Some time ago, I described each of the Gospels as a carefully composed stained glass window. If we layer them one on top of the other, we lose the clarity of the particular way that each Gospel tells the good news of Jesus Christ. And this concept of disciple is a case in point. Each Gospel writer has a different focus and therefore a different perspective of discipleship. So let's have a look. The Gospels and Acts are listed here in the order that they were written. John is the last, written towards the end of the first century, or certainly later than the others. So John is already writing from the experience of Christian community as the early church, while maintaining the setting for the Gospel in Jesus' lifetime. We can see that the focus of discipleship in John is response to Christ's revelation of the Father. Consistent with the emphasis of John's Gospel, of, a disciple of Christ reveals that we come to the Father through the Son and that the Father and the Son are one. The Father has sent the Son not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. By revealing this unity expressed in love, everyone will know that you are my disciples, Jesus says to his disciples. The poet Malcolm Guyatt encapsulates John's gospel this way. 
This is the gospel of the primal light, the first beginning and the fruitful end, the soaring glory of an eagle's flight, the quiet touch of a beloved friend. This is the gospel of our transformation, water to wine and grain to living bread, blindness to sight and sorrow to elation and Lazarus himself back from the dead. This is the gospel of all inner meaning, the heart of heaven open to the earth, a gentle friend on Jesus' bosom leaning and Nicodemus offered a new birth. No need to search the heavens high above. Come close with John and feel the pulse of love. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How is John's concept of disciple a response to the way that Jesus has revealed the Father? Just before the Last Supper, which takes place in the previous chapter of John, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, saying he came to serve, not to be served. Jesus made it clear that God the Father didn't send the Son into the world to condemn the world. Rather, Jesus came to serve and to bring light and salvation for the world that God loves. God and Jesus are one. Their oneness is characterized by love perfect love. Their love for one another is to be reflected in the life of the disciples and Christian community. This is our calling. It's a really high calling. And when we're honest, we know that the church struggles to do this well. John already knows that there will be conflict between those living in the light of Christ and those who are not. The love of Jesus' followers for one another will be an invitation, or is meant to be an invitation to others to join this community of believers where the source of real love can be found and experienced. Well, what then is a 21st century disciple? Archbishop Rowan Williams' fantastic little book, Being Disciples, which I highly recommend, is a great help here. Consistent with the emphasis of John's Gospel, Rowan Williams suggests that we have two responsibilities as we try to live in ways that might make Jesus Christ known by others today. The first is to ask whether what we do and say and how we think, speak and act are open to Christ's influence through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit. And the second is to consider how the church can be a learning community that allows us to continually deepen our relationship with God and each other in a way that reveals God to others. John is clear that being a disciple is a state of being as well as doing. It's more than how we live and what we believe. In chapter 1 of John, John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they ask, Rabbi, where are you staying? 
When Jesus says, come and see, they go and stay with Jesus for the rest of the day. And then in John 15, the chapter about the vine and the branches, John highlights that being a disciple is about staying with, sometimes translated as abiding. Abide in me, Jesus says, as I abide in the Father. Abide in my love. Stay in my love. So being a disciple obviously doesn't simply mean coming to church, although that's a great start. It's a state of being in Christ, with Christ at all times. Because Jesus and the Father are one, we are to be one in a relationship of love with God through Christ. And therefore, being a disciple is relationship with others as well as with God. And let's define love here as that steady direction of our will towards another person's lasting good. So being a disciple here and now is about being a learner. It's about being with, it's also about learning. Not like a student coming and going from class, jotting down ideas that you may or may not look over at some future time. Being a disciple is being a constant observer in order to be changed, transformed, so that our way of seeing and experiencing the world becomes more Christ-like, more welcoming of others, less judgmental, more compassionate. Jesus' disciples are expectant that they will see Jesus in others. They expect that the reality of Christ's presence will reveal something unexpectedly new, seeing God's glory, perhaps when we least expect it. So, how are we going with thinking about ourselves as 21st century disciples of Jesus? Do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide and, trans and inform our awareness in our account? Our to guide and inform our awareness in our encounters so that we can learn from one another and be transformed. Is this how we would describe our church community? We've described ourselves in recent times as a church known for its relationships. Do we have that kind of expectancy towards one another that we will see Christ and learn from one another? It would be a deeply gospel-shaped experience of church if we could do that. And I wonder, have you ever encountered someone that you'd like to catch up with at some kind of church gathering, whether locally or more widely, but that person's looked right past you or through you because rather than an encounter, they are completely preoccupied with their agenda? I certainly have. But likewise, have you ever been the one to look right through someone else because you've been preoccupied with your agenda? Well, again, I certainly have. I imagine we all have at times. Jesus' agenda was people. You see, being where Jesus is 
means being in the company of the people that Jesus seeks out and stays with. That was a really diverse, really diverse people. Jesus sometimes chooses uncomfortable company, including the excluded, the disreputable, the self-loathing, the poor, and the diseased. So by following Jesus, consistently being with him and not dipping in and out means there's a good chance that we are also going to find ourselves in that same company. Have you ever asked yourself, wow, how did I get to be hanging out here with all these people? How amazing. Being with Jesus means being with the Father. And where Jesus is, there is the Father's heart. Constant, eternal, sustained, unbroken love. How then do we stay with Jesus? Well, firstly, by consistently seeking out the company of other disciples, gathering, and then finding Christ revealed through Scripture, and also encountering the company of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in prayer. When we're able to free ourselves sufficiently from the preoccupations and the of our, our own selves and our agenda, we can receive what God is giving us in Christ and be freed to always hold the possibility of forming relationships with others. In this way, loving one another is an expression of our freedom to receive God's love. Therefore, loving is more than simply doing good things. Loving is having a deep regard for all the one another's that we encounter in our daily lives as we ourselves are open to receiving God's love in all its fullness. And so the church becomes the place where time and space are given to experiencing this kind of love and relationship where love can be experienced with joy. And yet, sadly, people by and large have become indifferent to church. That seems to be the sad truth of our times. Even though the gospel holds the good news that people are seeking in order to find meaning and purpose and connection with the things and the who that matters most. So as disciples, are we offering compassion and a sense of loving unity that people are seeking? How, as a church community, can we connect people with the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, through the love that we have one for another, reflecting the love that the Father and the Son have for one another? Rules won't connect people with the love of God through Jesus Christ, nor will coercive power. Love expressed through welcome and respectfully listening to one another, even when we disagree about important matters, is a really good start. Our community won't look like John's community. It's 2,000 years under the bridge and we're thousands of kilometres away from that cultural context. But as we celebrate our Hello Dinner in two weeks' time, as we process the outcome of General Synod, and look towards our own diocesan synod in June, 
And as we continue in our weekly ways of being with Christ and being his hands and feet in real ways, we have plenty of opportunities to be a 21st community of disciples reflecting the love of God in Christ. I wonder, will you commit with me, our ministry team, will you commit to being a part of this exciting journey? Amen.